Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. This is a very important segment. I have somebody here that's going to give us a lot of information about what we need to know about, let's just say it, about wildfires. Uh, Karen Collins, Vice President at American Property Casualty Insurance Association, and that's really a cool acronym, APCIA, um, is here with us to tell us what can we do now, if you're me, you're in, you live in the Pacific Northwest, but I've been on the East Coast. And as long as I've lived in the Pacific Northwest, I've never experienced what I've experienced here on the East Coast with the fires that were raging up in Canada and Nova Scotia. I've never, in, in all the years living in the Pacific Northwest, yes, we've had some issues with the air, but never quite like this. The question really is, how can you become prepared? What are the tips, why it's important, and why do you not wait? I don't know why we wait to contact our insurer. Karen, great to have you. Thank you. <laughs> we do wait. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure of the psychology of that. I, I don't know if we're hoping things will just get better. But I want to ask you this question. In all the years that you have been out there, that you have been helping people, there is a new call to action now. It's not the call to action we had five years ago. From where you sit, Give us an update on what you're seeing. What does the landscape look like that motivated you to do these interviews? You know, we're, we're seeing increasing natural disaster losses across the U.S. and in wildfire states in particular. Wildfire behavior, it's changing. We're seeing hotter and drier environments, which has resulted in fires igniting more easily, spreading more rapidly and burning with greater intensity and in areas you don't normally see, just what you just described. So we need to adapt to this new normal so that we don't see these large conflagration events that unfortunately overrun entire communities at once. We can take action and reduce these impacts and learn to live with wildfire. It's all about preparation and mitigation. And, you know, there are lands that never thought they'd been influenced by it. I mean, I, I'm still here uh, on the Northeast. And if you talk to the people, uh, th their, their ideas, I, we don't understand why we're impacting on this now. There's a whole new body of knowledge we need to have, a whole new way of looking at things. Um, but let's talk about the things that don't necessarily get highlighted from wildfires, meaning we're so focused on the wildfire and how it starts. We don't talk about, look, if you're on the perimeter, if you're like in California where I went to school, there are things you should really be thinking about doing. And, and even if you're not, 
you should be thinking about doing them? What are some of those things? You know, mitigation is the key. And and the really the main thing is we got to prevent embers from igniting your home. There's mitigations that truly do matter. So three key tips, creating defensible space, hardening your home, and really engaging the community in the entire effort. So tip number one, defensible space. We're hearing that term thrown around a lot, but what does it mean? We got to break the continuity of fuels around your home, both vertically and horizontally. Remove those combustible materials in that zero to five feet around your home. And that means trim up those branches that are overhanging your roof and get rid of all that dead vegetation that's likely to burn. Clear your roof and gutters from that debris and maintain your decks. Remove anything that is debris or vegetation that's on as well as underneath and even furniture that might be combustible. Um, Move that away at minimum five feet. The other part of it is hardening your home, the materials of your building. You might have cracks that become entry points where embers get inside and ignite the home from within. Seal your garage door. Protect your eaves and vents using one-eighth of an inch or smaller mesh screening over all of those vents. What we're seeing in some of these states, like the Marshall Fire in in Colorado, fenceress became a huge ignition source. Vegetation and wood fencing that runs right up and attaches to your home becomes like a candle wick that allows your home to catch on fire. So use non-combustible fencing material like metal or wire at minimum in that last five feet that attaches to the home. And again, talk to your neighbors. Their risk is your risk, which is why wildfire preparedness needs to be a community effort. Get your neighbors involved. There's a great program to help with that called FireWise USA. They're a nationally recognized program that can help communities uh, create an action plan to help reduce wildfire risk for the whole community itself. So those are the core tips from a mitigation standpoint. Now, let's take a minute. How do people find out more about this? I know you all are out there and you're talking about it, but you've also set up a website for people to really get on board. What is that website? Our website for the American Property Casualty Insurance Association is www.apci.org forward slash wildfire. All right. Now, I want to just take a minute about what I said at the top, because this is a thing. I don't understand what it is about hesitating to call your insurer. I mean, you know, it's a thing because you wouldn't be talking about it, but it's like a thing. It's like, I'm afraid to call them. I I mean, but tell us from where you sit, how important is it to get your, to get everybody on board? You know, most don't realize just how much inflation has surged in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. The cost for labor up at least 27% and materials at least 33% through December. That is a huge increase in the cost to rebuild. And your policy is based on the cost to reconstruct your home, those estimates. So you want to financially prepare by having some conversations and not leaving insurance on autopilot. That's the last thing you want to do and realize you don't have enough when the fire does occur. So financial preparedness tips are so important so that you can protect your home as your biggest asset. Tip number one, do that annual insurance checkup. It should be annual, but if you haven't done it in a while, so much more important because of those numbers I just cited on inflation. Talk to your agent or company to review your policy limits and the coverage that you have. Make sure the policy reflects the square footage and the materials of your home, because again, those limits are based on the cost to rebuild to similar size and material features. 
Um, there's some optional coverages you might want to talk about and consider. If you're in Washington, you have an older home, you might need to actually do newer stuff to meet building codes that are now in place that yeah. didn't exist when you first built that house. So ordinance and law coverage, that can be increased to help add additional coverage limits to absorb what some of those costs might be. There's also impacts called demand surge where materials and labor spike even higher after a big natural disaster. So extended replacement cost coverage will give you a boost in your limits if demand surge happens, like what we've seen some following yeah. some of these losses. Yeah. Um, in the Pacific Northwest, one of the things I want to shout out where I live is that you may love that gigantic old tree or trees that surround mm -hmm. your house. You love them. They provide you shade, but you really have to look at where the branches are, what they're touching, how much of your house they cover over. And that's why so many of us, we trim the tree way up, mm -hmm. right? These are some things you don't think about uh, mm -hmm. because you're thinking, oh, the aesthetic, but it's so important to really look at your landscape and what you've planted and where things are, right? So many of these fires, when they go in and they do that post analysis of it, we're finding that vegetation and other combustible items that are right up against your home yeah. are becoming the primary source that ignites and spreads it right to your home. So having that clearance, that minimum of five feet. And then if you've got larger, a larger lot, a little bit of land, make sure that as you go out further from the homes, the zones kind of further out up to 100 feet out, make sure that you're thinning out kind of the, the vegetation and you're, you're removing vegetation that can climb up the tree. If you've got heavy bushes and stuff and then right. tree branches, as you just mentioned, bringing those limbs up higher so that you don't allow the fire to creep up and get into the canopy of the tree, the branches. And then this is what we see in some of these worst events with winds is that those fires get to the canopy and then they spread from treetop to treetop and firefighters, that's a very difficult fire yeah. to knock down. So yeah. we want to keep it on the ground and keep the area clear of, of combustible debris and especially that that's right next to your home. Yeah, we have something really beautiful in the Pacific Northwest. It's considered a moss. And when it's wet, it's great. When it's dry, it it is the thing that you use to start a fire. That's how combustible it is. And yeah. it looks so pretty. And you're thinking, oh, I don't want to take it down. But, you know, these are the things we need to be mindful of. Now, I want to ask you one thing in, in particular. How many people do you know that don't have a clue of what they have in their house when it comes to inventory? You know, most completely overlook the home inventory process. It's just not top of mind. And it's so much more important in a wildfire than many other disasters, just because wildfires, unfortunately, as tragic as it is, leave almost nothing behind. Yeah. And so if you have a loss and you need to submit something as part of your insurance claims process, having that inventory prepared in advance is so incredibly yeah. helpful to have. So it's really simple to do also. Take your smartphone. You can take photo or video of your belongings. Just go through each room in your house, document what's in the drawers or in the closets. Don't forget yeah. what's out in the garage. Yeah. And just describe what you have through photos. And if you're doing the video, what, you know, describe what you paid, where you bought it, when you bought yeah. it. Uh, specifically, make sure kind of those higher end items, you give a little extra detail, you know, electronics, appliances, TVs, whatever it is. And then once you've done it, just keep it somewhere safe, store it in a cloud, you know, online folder or a fireproof case so that it's there and ready if you need it. Yeah. I love talking about this because there's so many things we need to, to do. Again, please mention the website because there are a lot of items we're going to get to and a lot of them, I know these are short, 
But where can they go to find out more and to go through their checklist and say, what are we doing? And then I want to talk to you about gutters real yeah. quick. All right. What's that website? Yep. It is www.apci.org forward slash wildfire. Now, the infamous gutter. Gutters are catch all. Hello. I mean, I'm not sure where you live or what you're doing or how you're doing it. But the last time I looked up there, I'm thinking it's supposed to be raining in the Pacific Northwest. It's Mm -hmm. not. But these are the things that if we're not mindful of, a spark, an ember, anything really. Mm -hmm. And some people say, oh, it's in a gutter. It's in metal. Or Can you explain to people why it's important to keep those gutters clean, please? Absolutely. Your gutters become that catch-all for everything. You will have twigs and leaves and other just dust and debris that can get into your roof and then washes down into the gutter. And as that just dries out, again, it just becomes a tinder box. One spark is all it takes and it will ignite that. And then often these gutters will fall, they'll catch the roof on fire and then your home burns from the top down. And that is just the most tragic thing when it's such a simple fix to just maintain those and clear them out regularly, especially heading into fire season. Now, I have a couple of very specific questions. Um, I, I became sort of the annoying friend when I pointed out to a neighbor, and I don't know if this is true, but my phobia around this, I said, I love that really beautiful lawn ornament thing you put out there. But I said, you know, that's like super reflective. It's like almost like a mirror. I said, do you see like when the sun hits it? Do you see? And they're like, that's an old wives tale. The reflection of a mirror cannot start a fire. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's my little paranoia about the way the sun gets accelerated to cause things like that. I'm not saying that you have to remove everything, but there are things we have to be aware of. Beyond that, give me your top, if you can think of them, your top three combustibles that people have in their house and they don't think about them as being a contributor. Yeah, I believe they're called the junipers, those vertical trees that are just beautiful columns. People do a whole row of those. Those are like Roman candles. They become torches. (laughs) Don't let those go up. And if they're right next to your house, what you just described with the sun in my community, I'm in Northern California. We have a, a neighbor, not directly to us, but a little up the hill. They just redid their landscape and they put a whole bunch of mulch down in the in the front yard. And overnight or, or in the afternoon, whatever it was, their outside suddenly caught on fire. And wow. whatever it was, something was reflecting. It was aiming at that. That is wood. It's dry. It ignited without anybody else yep. interacting. It just it caught on fire. And so this is where you have to be very mindful of what is combustible that can be right adjacent to your home. You want to have at least five feet around your home as a minimum clearance that is non-combustible so that embers, they will fly a mile, two miles, especially in a wind event, and they're going to settle anywhere. They are absolutely efficient at finding any weaknesses and vulnerabilities and entry points. And so that five feet is so critical to remove anything that could give it an opportunity to ignite your home. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. A couple of years ago, there was a fire in Kirkland, which is miles away from where I live, not like a few hundred feet, like miles. And I'm telling you, we could see the embers come down. Uh, Look, 
Thank you for today. A lot we talked about uh, and a lot we really need to investigate. Thank you for taking this out there. Last question. What's your personal message and what would you like to leave us with? We are seeing fire behavior change and it's impacting more communities. We need to learn to live with fire. And that is simply taking the time to prepare and mitigate that risk. And it is within our control. So check out these resources. You can become more uh, resistant to wildfire, protect your home and family. Thank you so much, Karen. Thanks to all of you out there. And whether you live in the Pacific Northwest or not, a lot of great tips today. Take a look at your house. You know, just ask yourself, do I got something sitting in that garage that's been sitting there? Is there anything exposed outside? Am I am I the one that's got the paint can sitting outside my shed in the sun? Whatever that is that you are not looking at, take a look. It takes five minutes to mitigate it, not much more. Karen, thank you so much for everything. Life Engineering, processes that combine science, wisdom, and spirituality to build a life of alignment. Joining Dr. Pat is your host, Gabriella Embon, bringing you bi-weekly wisdom nuggets, your step-by-step guidance to build a life of no regrets. Stay tuned as they uncover powerful processes for you to realize your true potential. Are you ready for some magic wisdom? Life Engineering starts now. everybody. Welcome. It's so great to have all of you here. I'm Dr. Pat. I get to join the most amazing Gabriella. This is extremely important because self-coaching, it's one of the things that is available and accessible to everyone. And in today's show, Gabriella is going to take us through the 12 key principles. And, and these principles are to help us create alignment. And we're going to talk about what that means. Gabriella, this is Im- so important because so many times we stall and we think, oh, I'm defeated. But you're going to help us understand that there are principles to help us be in alignment and literally move through so many things, right? That's right. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Yes, and thank you for our listeners. And I want to say thank you for the messages that you send me, that our listeners send me about the episodes. They were my heart. It's anyway, they were my heart. Um, so thank you very much. And um, so I was compelled to, because we've done 12 episodes and we have shared a lot of tools for self-coaching and where to start to create a life of no regrets. And I felt that at this point, it would be good to create a summary episode and to put all these principles in one list, right? Um, In one list that people can easily access and use what works for you because Here's what is important for me to say. These principles are not the absolute truth or the only way of creating. Okay. This is how I create and what has worked for me. So the invitation here is not, of course, to um, take them as an absolute truth, but more to try them and test them and see if it works for you as well. Yeah. So... Yeah, let's get rolling because I love what you said. There are 12 of them, but they all work so beautifully together with each other. And I know you're going to touch on that. All right. Tell us where we should start. 
Okay, I want to start with, uh, first of all, saying why is it important to to go over this is what, as we said previously, you know, we are set for motion. We are here as builders. We're here to build a world, <laughs> right? So we either get busy creating our best lives or we get busy fixing problems for our brain. Either way works. As long as the brain is busy, it's happy. So we, it's actually our choice because we have free will. We get to choose if we're going to get busy with growth challenges or deficiency or lack challenges. And that's why this is so important. So let's get started with the 12 principles. The first one, number one is always start with a vision, an intention. What is that you want to experience in life? Now, I know that that's not always very easy, okay? I've, I've been there when you say, I don't know what I want, okay? But what we want to remember is that we all know how we want to feel. And we all know what's important for us. And we all know what we want to be remembered for. So if you are not clear yet, when you ask, what do I want, then clearly don't ask that question anymore because it's going to keep you spiraling in that loop that I don't know. You want to ask different questions. When you don't have an answer, ask different questions. So the different questions could be, what do I want to experience in life? How do I want to be remembered? What's important for me? What kind of impact do I feel compelled to offer, Right. So these are questions that could be a great alternative to what's my vision? What do I want? And if you don't see a vision for the long run, that's fine. Don't ask yourself where you want to be in five, 10 years. That can be, as we said, the brain sees the future you as a stranger. Simply ask yourself, where do I want to be in six months? Start yes. small. Always start small. Okay. Yeah. Um, great advice. Great advice, because uh, I just want to say this real quick. Sometimes we look so far in the future, it overwhelms us and we never get going. That's right. That's right. And the, what's important is not to settle for confusion. And, you know, ask yourself, what is that I am clear about? Or what is that I am clear that I don't want? That's okay, too. But don't I'm confused. Okay. You're confused about what you want. What is that you are clear about? Start with where you're clear and that spotlight is going to get bigger and bigger and you're going to have more answers. I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, once I was launching a project and I was very clear about what I, the message that I want to put out there and how I want to impact, but I wasn't, I wasn't able to start. Something was holding me back from starting until I realized that the what was really clear to me. What I want was clear. What wasn't clear is how I want to do this. The how wasn't clear. So sometimes, okay, we say, okay, I don't know what I want. So allow yourself to separate the what from the how. You might know what you want, but you are not sure how you're going to get there or how to deliver that. I there was a topic I wanted to teach, but it was clear I don't want to teach an online course on that. But that's all I knew how to do. So I wasn't daring until I got really clear. Wait a second, the vision is still the same. I just don't want to do it the way I've been doing it so far. Once I got clear about that, oh my God, the windows opened, the sun came in. <laughs> um, 
Let's move to the second one. Um, and the second one is be aware or get clear about what's the price of creating your vision. What is the price that you are willing to pay for that? Because there is an effort for to create anything. And I don't mean effort as hustling, but something needs to be done, right? So what's the price of doing this? Is it that I use my vacation money to take a course? Is it that uh, I don't go out every Friday with my friends to stay and study? So what's, right, what's the price that I'm willing to pay? And what's the price, as we said in the previous episodes, that we are not willing to pay? Because when you get clear about the price you're willing to pay, okay, or what you're willing to go through or do to create that vision, and what you are not willing, I was not willing to be 50 years old when I started coaching. I'm there almost. I, I was not willing to say I'm 50 and now I need to restart. So, yes, I restarted when I was younger and the kids were young. But that was a price I was willing to pay because I didn't want to reinvent myself when I was older. Now, not that yeah. this is bad. It's just personal. It's what I wanted. Right, it might work for other people. So when you get clear about that, then you won't complain. In other words, yeah. and yeah. also it helps you commit because one thing is to be interested, and the other thing is to be committed. And that's also important to be honest with yourself. When you are committed, you are willing to pay the price. Does it make sense? It makes sense because my decision to go back to school at age uh, forty-four. And and go back to a long-term hall at school. I had to go through all of that. And uh, I got to tell you, there, there were moments like in that eight-year period where I thought, what am I doing? But you're right. We have to really commit. And then once you commit, you're over a giant hump. And you have to remember, what was my why, right? But you're going to talk about that because you got more. you got more secrets to share. That's right. What's your why? And, you know, it's like, I'll give you... The, the most beautiful and simple example is when you have a baby, right? The price you're willing to pay is not to sleep at night. You know, it's temporarily, right? But you're committed to do that. So yeah, you might complain, but you're committed, right? You knew that was the price and you're willing to pay that. So with your vision, right? It's the same. So let's take that vision and bring it down now with step number three. And is where do you want to see yourself in 90 days? Okay, I love big visions, but they have to be practical. And the only way to make a big vision practical is to bring it down to what's the next step. So where do I want to see myself in 90 days? And what's going to make a What's going to be a, a, a big significant deal for me? What's going to make the most amount of impact if in 90 days I am here? right? A game changer. What is that decision that if I am in 90 days in this place, that's going to be a, a game changer? Is it that in 90 days, I already have five clients? Is it that in 90 days, I solidify my business plan? What is it, right? So once you get clear about that, you go, okay, what skills do I need to acquire or develop in order to be there in 90 days? That's the third step is to get really practical, to bring your vision down to 90 days from now, what's going to make the most amount of difference if you're there, that's going to propel you forward. Yeah. 
Let's move to number four. Okay, I think we're going to have to go fast. So what pilot can I design to test my vision? And we always say there to pilot, right? So yes, we have a vision, but we also need to remember that our brain is allergic to change. So uh, a pilot is eating a piece of the cake before I buy the entire cake, which eases my brain into the process of creating this um, and minimizes the risk um, that your brain potentially see, right? So it's calming your brain, it's working with your brain and, re- and minimizing the resistance that your brain might have about you going and doing something new. So always design a pilot. So I always tell my brain, I'm not launching a new product. I'm just testing on three people. <laughs> I'm not building a coaching business. I'm just, you know, working with a few people and charging them a little bit. So we, we we ease the brain and then we just go and do our thing. The next thing you know, your brain goes, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> uh, number five is don't waste time seeking perfection. Rather than seeking perfection, uh, seek clarity and progress. Um, first of all, perfection is not always better, <laughs> yeah. right? Clients don't buy from you because you're perfect. They buy from you because they resonate with you. And they might actually resonate if it's not very perfect. Um, So rather seek clarity and progress. And of course, clarity is found along the path, not in the starting point. So again, as you heard me say several times, you don't need to figure it out to start. You just need to start to figure it out. You say, I have no clue what to do. Let me start and figure it out. Yeah. I love that you're mentioning this because let's just mention one last thing. If you're seeking perfectionism, you're losing time in enacting what could be. That's right. That's so true. That's true. And you're keeping stuck. And you know what happens when you're stuck? Fear kicks in, stress kicks in, anxiety, not as a condition, kicks in. You start comparing with everybody else, right? Because you are inactive. You want to stop comparing, feeling jealous, feeling afraid, saying I'm stuck, just move. When we are in motion, we don't have time to compare mm-hmm. or feel fear. When I feel fear or that I have to compete, that means I'm not taking enough action. I see that as a sign that I'm not taking enough action. Okay, yeah. let's move to number six. I love this one redefine we're going to have a few redefines redefine success um the moment you dare you already succeeded that's how you want to look at success the moment you dare the moment you launch your pilot the moment you made the first step you already succeeded the idea is to release ourselves from the need to see results to continue we have a dependency on outcomes and results And I understand that's how we were raised. You know, in school, you always get graded and and it's how uh, evaluated. So you want to release the dependency on that and put the effort and the progress and the growth as a priority because the real inspiration is always the journey and the growth along the way. Our job 
is to create the container to uphold those results that we we desperately or dearly desire, okay? We don't need to see the results to have permission to continue. That's another thing. Sometimes we start, we don't see results right away, and then we start hearing people telling us, maybe you should do something else. <laughs> maybe you should try this. Maybe you should quit. Maybe it's time to go back to a job. And you go, well, I don't need to see the results to have permission to continue right? It's my vision that is giving me permission to continue, is that I'm not willing to pay the price of regret that is giving me permission to continue. Okay? Yeah. The price of regret is so steep, we can't even put a number on it today. So, so heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Number seven, redefine failure. We redefine success. Let's redefine failure. Failure is letting a challenge or a situation that didn't go according to our plans or expectations to disempower us or to derail us or to make us retract, basically to ruin our future by creating fear, regret, or avoidance. But if we don't retract, build avoidance, uh, regret or fear, and we use that as an opportunity to learn, then it's not a failure. It becomes a failure when it controls me. And I'll tell you today, a student said something so powerful to me, a student in the Philippines, actually, this morning. She said to me, um, there is life after failure. I just love that sentence. Her name is Michiko. Michiko said, there is life after failure. I was like, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know um, why that's so powerful? Because you're taking it from people like you, like me, like this great student who probably did fail. And if you're any one of us, we've learned how to thrive now. There is life after what some people call failure, isn't there? Absolutely. And that's what's important to remember. That's what's important to remember. Uh, let's redefine more. So we redefine success, failure. Number eight is to redefine challenges because some people see challenges as punishments or signs that I'm not meant to be doing this, <laughs> right? Um, like everything going smoothly is the sign you're meant to be doing this. Then nobody will be doing anything, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Challenges are not punishments and they're not a sign that this is not for you. They're actually the opportunity first to exercise your creative power, right? To be creative, to solve them and to embrace responsibility. Is an opportunity to overcome these challenges by growing and acquiring the, the skills, the, the beliefs, the mindset you need to have to continue. So they are there as part of the path. They are not um, there to slow you down per se, or to take you out of the path. They're there to help you get to that vision, right? Very much like a video game. They're always an opportunity for growth. And as we said in the previous episode, we want to embrace anti-fragility, which is the ability to grow after pressure rather than resilience, which is just going back and and, and practice yeah. that post-traumatic growth, right? Yeah. yeah. Look, any athlete you ever talk to, any reflection I've ever had, 
on a sport that I play where I've lost a match, a big match by one point, ask me what part of the match I remember. I remember that one point so that I never make that mistake again. It's a learning, gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, but boy, I learned more from that one point and, and people know that they can learn from this. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know why you remember that? Because you used it to empower you. Had it been easy and you'd even be unconscious of what you did, you wouldn't have remembered that. <laughs> but you grew out of it. Yeah, I did. That's why you remember. But isn't that what we're talking about is like, we could take a look at these things, Gabriella, and I know you're going to finish this up. But we could take a look at these things as moments. We can grieve in the moment of despair. But what we're saying is we need to redirect after that moment so that we can move up, right? You said it so well. Yes. It's our ability to course correct. It's what life is all about. When we uh, embrace and foster and become better at course correcting, right? We are deliberately becoming creators of our lives. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So number nine, point number nine is about decisions. We want to now redefine good and bad decisions because we tend to judge decisions based on uh, the outcome, right? Like the quality of the outcome. If it was a good outcome, it means it was the right decision. Rather than do that, we want to redefine good decisions based on why we chose them and not the results they created. Mm. So all I'm saying is the quality of the outcome does not determine the quality of the decision. If we make decisions based on where we want to be, not based on where we are now, but where we want to be. If we make decisions from intention and not expectations, not to correct right? We're not trying to solve a problem, creating another problem, then these are the right decisions. Mm. And if we make them with our heart, of course, they are the right decisions. Um, so that was number nine. And number 10 is choose courage over regret. And that goes back to the price we're willing to pay, right? Is the price rejection. Sometimes the price of building a coaching practice is Rejection. Not everybody's going to say yes. Or building a coaching school is rejection. But um, there are also people that are going to say yes. So yes, there are the, the no's, but there are also the yes. And if I don't dare, because I'm afraid of the no's, I will also have zero yeses. Yeah. So courage is the moment. How we redefine courage is a moment when you choose to act despite the fear. And when you do that despite the fear, right, you are basically able to disconnect the thinking brain just for a moment and let the doing brain do what it knows how to do. And in mm -hmm. that moment, you succeed. That's success. It's the daring. So it connects us to redefine success. And a choice that is made with courage is always a good choice. I mean, we know in our hearts when we're being fear-driven. And I have to tell you, I'm not saying that all fear-driven decisions aren't good. There are some decisions you make from fear. It's like running out of a burning building. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fear that the mind will conjure up 
and create a story about as opposed to the courage that comes from your heart. That's right. I think it's about uh, differentiating um, danger and fear. Mm -hmm. I told uh, someone yesterday, I said, change doesn't equal uh, danger. Um, no, sorry, it was knowledge. Knowledge doesn't equal danger because somebody that couldn't ask questions. Uh, so, you know, I think that when we make decisions from fear, the fear we're talking about that is not danger, then we're not exercising courage. But sometimes the fear is to alert of danger and that's okay, right? We're not talking about that. Right. So the difference mm -hmm. between fear and danger is is really important now for mm -hmm. the brain it's all the same but then it's up to us to use our common sense logic and willpower to address that tell our brain there's no danger in failing actually mm -hmm. there's no danger in doing this uh consultation and the client say no yeah um and the next one is work on number 11 is work on your beliefs and mindset as we did last session. Yeah. Um, how important it is. So here's the thing. The, the actions are only 10% and miracles, miracles happen when our inner resistance, when our limiting beliefs equal zero. Now, of course, I don't know anybody that has zero limiting beliefs, but let's just say about a particular situation when our inner resistance is very low and then we take the 10% actions, right? Those 10% are more than enough to create results because we are in complete allowance of the divine to deliver. That's what we call creating with ease and grace, which is the most sweet beautiful yes. moment to experience right yes yes <laughs> it is it is and what you're really telling us and helping us and walking us through though is you're helping us understand that we are a choice every minute that's the punchline here and that choice can bring us in alignment or out of alignment correct that's right we are a choice with our actions with our choice with our choices whether we take congruent choices or incongruent choices and it doesn't matter what you do, but be aware that the energy of the choice equals the energy of the consequence. <laughs> so if life is not going according to the way you would like it to be, go back to the choices you made. And it doesn't really matter. It's not to dwell on the past. Okay? Um, like um, John Paul from uh, Paul Mitchell said, you can erase yesterday's newspaper. But what new choices can you make? Every day is an opportunity to make new choices yeah. and um the the, not, the last point is take your inspiration seriously <laughs> i actually take my inspiration seriously don't wait to have it create it okay um don't wait to see the light at the end of the tunnel as we said be the light at the end of the tunnel and then you always be inspired if you don't feel inspired look for source of inspiration don't settle to live a life in which you are not inspired because your inspiration is igniting the spirit within you. It's your soul. You are meant to be inspired. If you don't feel inspired, your soul is not as ignited, then do something about it. <laughs> Whether it's walk on nature, listen to a podcast, read a book, 
whatever inspires you. Watch a YouTube video about the people that inspire you. I get inspired by builders, right? So it doesn't matter. You know what inspires you. And if you don't remember, go back to a moment when you were your own inspiration, when you acted in a way you did not expect and you exert um, qualities that were and strengths that were inside you that you didn't know you had. That's your own inspiration. You are your own inspiration as well. I love it. Gabriella, how do people find out more <clears throat> about you, about the Academy? Please give out some information and thank you so much for today. Uh, well, people can find us at coachingacademy.net. We are very excited and ready and getting ready because we are upgrading the life coaching manual for our cohort number 18, uh, starting in September 14. Um, so go to coachingacademy.net. If this inspires you, contact us. We will offer you more information so you can make an informed decision if this is it. in alignment with you or not. I love it. Thank you so much for everything, Gabriella. And for all of you out there, please listen to this again. Put them down on a piece of paper and know that every one of these is attainable. Thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thank all right, you. everybody, let's take a short break. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Life Engineering, processes that combine science, wisdom, and spirituality to create a life of alignment on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Join host Gabriella Embon and Dr. Pat every first and third Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific for bi-weekly wisdom nuggets on how to create your perfect synergy between your mind, body, and spirit in order to realize your true potential. For more information, visit Gabriella at CoachingAcademy.net. This is Dr. Sharon Martin with a meditation brought to you from Maximum Medicine Radio. This is a short meditation I designed to strengthen your energy field. Please do not listen if you're driving. Instead, take the time to access this later when you can relax. There are features of this meditation that are inspired by teachers, especially Drunvalo Melchizedek and Cece Treadway, so the credit belongs to them. You may stop the recording at any spot to allow more time to commune with the awarenesses. So let's start by taking a few nice, deep, relaxed breaths in with your nose, out with your mouth. Let your shoulders drop and your belly soften. Enter a sacred healing space as I will now open sacred space as I call to all the directions, to the allies, to the guides, to all those with the highest good, come join us. Now gently bring your awareness to a place about 10 inches above your head. This is the place of your Wiracocha. That's a Peruvian Quechua word for the big energy ball that sits about 10 inches above your head where your soul and spirit connect. See the waterfall of energy that pours out all around, covering your body, making the egg-shaped energy cocoon around you. 
See the rainbow tapestry of the field surrounding you, the field that interacts between the outside world and your physical self. And set your intention to repair and strengthen this field. And continue to breathe deeply, releasing all tension, again in with your nose and out with your mouth. Now drop your awareness into your chest behind your heart and find the entrance to the small sacred space of the heart. Allow your inner knowing to direct you there. You energetically have been there many times. Make your way to this sacred chamber and take a seat. You find yourself in the most beautiful place to sit. Sit in this chamber that you already deeply know. And let your eyes soften as you sink deeply onto the chair or the cushion or wherever you are sitting. Continue to breathe in with your nose, out with your mouth, holding no tension. Now with your mind's eye, see the color red, fire engine red, cherry tomato red, red of the most beautiful rose. Feel this red and allow it to spread from your heart to all your physical being and out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with red, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside, all parts of you, repairing and healing your field. And now gently allow the red to recede back to your heart and breathe. Now with your mind's eye, see the color orange, pumpkin orange, the orange of a sunset, the orange of a marigold. Feel this orange and allow it to spread from your heart to all of your physical being, spreading out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with orange, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside parts of you repairing and healing your field and now gently allow the orange to recede back to your heart and breathe now see the color yellow yellow of the center of a daisy yellow of the brightest sun yellow of a goldfinch Feel this yellow and allow it to spread from your heart to all your physical being and out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with yellow, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside, all parts of you, repairing and healing your field. and allow the yellow to recede back to your heart and breathe. Now see the color green, 
Green of newly mown grass. Green of the tips of budding trees. Green of the inside of an avocado. Feel this green and allow it to spread from your heart to all your physical being and out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with green, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside, all parts of you, repairing and healing your field. And now gently allow the green to recede back to your heart and breathe. Now see the color blue, blue of the daylight sky, blue of a Caribbean lagoon, the electric blue that dances on the edge of a flame. Feel this blue and allow it to spread from your heart to all your physical being and out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with blue, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside, all parts of you, repairing and healing your field. And gently allow the blue to recede back to your heart and breathe. Now see the color indigo, indigo of blueberries, indigo that's in the circles on peacock feathers, indigo of eggplants. Feel this indigo. Allow it to spread from your heart to all your physical being and out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with indigo, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside, all parts of you repairing and healing your field. And gently allowing the indigo to recede back to your heart and breathe. Now see the color violet, violet of an amethyst, violet of a lilac bush, violet of a saintly aura. Feel this violet and allow it to spread from your heart to all your physical being and out to your rainbow field. Fill your field with violet, touching all parts of you, from your head to your toes, from the inside of you to the outside, all parts of you, repairing and healing your field. And allow the violet to gently recede back to your heart and breathe. Now bring your awareness gently back, coming back to the sacred space of your heart and sit down in this beautiful sacred space and breathe. In with your nose, out with your mouth, no tension. Take a minute to feel the colors integrating into your field, repairing and strengthening 
heightening your power. Your rainbow tapestry is restored and rejuvenated. You are shimmering. Now gently return your awareness, coming back to this time and this place. We close sacred space as we release the directions and the allies and the guides. As always, we offer gratitude for their presence and their assistance. And be gentle as you re-enter your day and restart your tasks. You are a magnificent being of light. Be well. Be well.